Hi, and welcome to Under an Open Heaven podcast. We are glad you are joining us as we explore the reality of God's love expressed in Scripture and our own personal experiences. Thanks for joining us today as we explore the reality that we live under an open heaven. Enjoy. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. Uh, my name is Arthur Richardson, and I'm joined once again by Colton Jones. Thanks for joining in once again, uh, and thank you for your patience with today and uh, us getting it our podcast out a little bit later than normal. We've been having some tech issues, but hopefully we have figured them out. Um, here's hoping, here's praying. <laughs> anyway, we're going to be continuing with our Psalms in this season. And today we're going to be talking about Psalm 23 in uh, primary conversation, but we're also going to uh, bop a little bit to Psalm 22. Um, and just so you know, Psalm 23 is a favorite of mine. I thoroughly enjoy it. It's uh it just makes my soul sing. Um, and I think it has a lot of relevance to our everyday lives, regardless of whatever situation uh, we're going through. So without further ado, we're going to jump in. The Lord is my shepherd. There's nothing I lack. In green pastures, he makes me lie down. To still waters, he leads me. He restores my soul. He guides me along right paths for the sake of his name. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. You set a table before me in front of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Indeed, goodness and mercy will pursue me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord for endless days. So, Colton, what are your first thoughts my first thoughts are uh, around verse six. It says, indeed, goodness and mercy will pursue me all of the days of my life. And it reminds me of this one song by uh, Hillsong called Be Still. It's probably uh, among the top five songs for me to worship with. And they have a f- refrain in that song that goes, surely love and mercy, peace and kindness will follow me. Mm-hmm. Um and they just keep on repeating it and stuff like that. And for some reason, whenever I listen to that song, that phrase, you know, that refrain just jumps out to me. And it, it strikes me pretty, pretty powerfully. And I'm not 100% sure why, but, and I, I love how this particular verse points it out as will pursue me, mm-hmm. not just follow, but pursue me. Yeah. Uh, that's so that's what jumped out to me. What about you? Yeah. Uh, like, like I said earlier, this is one of my favorite Psalms. Actually, I think it is my favorite song. So for me, like, I just, I just love the whole thing. But the Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I lack. You know, like that. That's just beautiful, you know. Um, and I don't know about you, but there's a lot of times when I'm going through life and like there's those certain life opportunities of, of like times for giving gifts and, and whatnot, you know, uh, like birthdays or Christmas or, or graduation, or I just got married, you know, a few months ago, almost yeah, actually I remember this Thursday, <laughs> this Thursday is going to be, um, five months. So we're still pretty, pretty newlyweds, but, uh, yeah, five months ago. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Um, yeah. but anyway, back to the Psalm, uh, during the, these times, it's really easy for me to, you know, have a list it's, and, and like, if like one or two things, like everything but two, one or two things could be gotten. But those one or two things, like my mind fixates on it, you know? And th- the amazing power of God is the fact that 
in him, when he is living in us, we literally lack nothing. You know, there's this radical reality that changes our identity so that we go from, you know, like there's one or two things that we still kind of want to like, I lack nothing. And what the Lord provides for me is what I need. And he gives me even more than what I need. And sometimes there's a lot of us who, and when I say a lot of us, I'm pointing the finger at myself here, um, that it's kind of hard to rectify what, what seems like reality of like, I'm lacking to the reality of Jesus saying, no, you lack nothing. I'm giving you everything you need, you know? So it's just interesting, this, this concept of lacking nothing, you know, because it's really easy for me to look around, not just at my own, my own lacking, but also just in, in general in the world. Like there's a lot of people who are homeless or, um, you know, are struggling with their, their family members dying, um, you know, like this is, this is a real, a real thing of like lacking, you know? And like, for some reason too, it sometimes seems like other people lack common sense. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. there's, there's uh what seems like real lack, real people not getting enough of something, you know, but the reality that God has in living in our hearts, it changes things. And I, I guess the, the simplest way of putting it is if the, if the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth, the one who made the mountains, the fields, the oceans, the lakes, every cell in my body, you know, if he's the master designer of all of this and he's living in my soul, if he's alive in my body, all I got to do is ask. At the end of the day, I, I really do lack nothing. And he provides even if it's not when we want it, how we want it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's that was kind of like the big thing for me. And then secondly, he restores my soul. That restoration happens when I let go of focusing on what I lack. So when I rest in his peace and his his uh, providence, what he what he provides for me, and in thankfulness, um, the weight that I have been carrying kind of washes away. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah, I. Part of my mind goes to this as sort of a model of allowing God to guide us in decision making and discerning mm-hmm. in maybe just in life in general, because uh, this is obviously, you know, God revealing himself to be like a shepherd. Yeah. Um, and Christ echoes that whenever he uh, comes into the picture that he's the good shepherd. So mm-hmm. one of the things that stands out to me about that is that he says, The psalmist says, in green pastures, he makes me lie down and to still waters, he leads me. It kind of makes me think, I mean, often still waters weren't necessarily like the best thing to drink out of. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, it, I I wouldn't necessarily see it, um, it as a practical thing to say, like you generally don't drink from stagnant water, you drink from living water, moving water. That's why like Christ, whenever he uh, confronted the woman by the well in John four, uh, whenever he said living water, that would also be translated to like uh, flowing water. Right. So it would be fresh. So I think the still waters might be more uh, symbolic in a sense of peace. Mm-hmm. And that always draws me uh, to how God speaks to us when we're trying to make decisions, when we're discerning, uh, wherever you experience peace, that's often where Christ is. Uh, yeah. 
we, we know that uh, that's, I believe it's a fruit of the spirit is peace. It is. So whenever there's peace, it's likely that the spirit is working. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that that's actually kind of been uh, how I operate whenever I'm trying to make decisions. Uh, like when deciding to be a missionary, I did not feel peace at all before I made the decision. I just felt like God was constantly poking at my heart. Like, hey, like we got to probably talk about this maybe. And uh, it wasn't until I, you know, I went to prayer and I started talking to God and uh, I felt him asking me to to do this. And I made the decision, like the, the, all these stress that I was feeling internally turned into peace. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I know I don't cause peace uh, in, in that way. Right. Uh, I can't really cause peace. So that's from the spirit. Yeah. I actually had a pretty similar uh, thing. But for me, it was going from my first year of mission to my second year of mission. Mm-hmm. And uh, for me, I really didn't want to go back for mm-hmm. uh, quite a few different reasons. But there was such an unrest in my soul and such like a almost annoyance with God that he would be asking something of me like that. Um, and honestly, like the Lord knows what he's doing. Like my second year, I left a very different person. Like mm-hmm. if I had not stuck it out like the Lord. The Lord had a lot of things to do with me my second year. And honestly, a lot of things to do through me. Uh, to be completely blunt and and um, amazed by that, to be honest, like the fact that God chose us to be his voices. I don't know about you, but I most of the time do not feel adequate. But um, yeah, there's, there's something beautiful to that. I also, like, every time I think still waters, I also think like, a rushing river can be kind of dangerous, right? You can get swept away mm-hmm. in it, yeah. you know? So I think also not just like peace that the Lord is communicating, but also they're like, I'm not going to hurt you. Mm-hmm. Like you can rest in me. I'm going to lead you to safe places, which actually like, like let's look at the the next, the next bit. Uh, Even though I walk through the, the, through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you with me. Matt Bellinger, shout out to you. If you're listening to this, um, he said something that kind of connects these two points and it's, it's this, um, that if grace is often imaged as water and where does, where does water go? It flows down. Mm-hmm. So we don't receive the most grace in the mountaintop experiences. We receive the most grace in the depths of the valley where the water is pooling. Right. So God is leading us to the, to the still pool, the peaceful pool of grace even though we're in like a place of darkness. Um, and, and this is where we're going to jump to Psalm 22 here. The, the deepest, darkest valley that has ever been crossed has been Jesus, Jesus's own death. The, the scariest, deepest, darkest depths of human ex- existence has been experienced by our God, which is crazy to think about. And it's, it's reflected in, in a prophetic way in Psalm 22. At the beginning, it, it starts off, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And it goes on just like crying out. And eventually it does turn into hope and peace. But this is the, the prayer that bursts forth from Jesus' lips when he was his dying breath, really, as he's on the cross, dying the most excruciating death possible. He, he knows, you know. But it's at that point where all humanity finds grace, you know, this is, it's just a very interesting concept. And I don't know about you, but like some of the rougher points in my life, you know, it seems 
dark and scary and hopeless. But those are also the points of the greatest conversion, the greatest grace for me. Mm -hmm. I don't know. What's your thoughts on that? I would agree with that. Uh, Our last week at Encounter School, like when we were in person, there was a speaker for the second year students. Um, It was towards the end of his talk and stuff like that. He said in our hardest years, that's when uh, the sweetest wine comes out of. Because Mm. um, in scripture, like in Isaiah grapes represent pain sort of uh suffering and things like that and um i think in actually a a uh, little section in isaiah that we also read uh when we do the stations of the cross during lent mm. it says like the the uh, wine press i've trodden alone so like whenever they would actually like step on the grapes to to burst them and stuff like that and um so like all the grapes represented the sins the the, the pains of mankind that's why the speaker was going at and stuff like that. And he said, you know, imagine the most difficult year in your life that you had to experience. Well, God bottled up all of, all of those grapes, those crushed grapes, and they're going to become for you the sweetest wine. So I know it's true for me in my life that the most difficult year years have often yielded the uh, most profound graces. Mm-hmm. So I think that's true that in the valleys, that's where the water pools. And that's that's kind of where all the graces that God has been giving us, mm-hmm. uh, especially in the good times where they collect, because that's where we need them in uh, in the more difficult years. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like the, the Lord knows that. Honestly, I've, been, I've actually been mulling this over for years. Like, why is it that it's it's like the point of struggle and pain that conversion happens? And I think... I used to think it was just like, oh, that's because like our pride is being broken down and we can actually are open to him, you know, but I think it's more than that. I think it's like the Lord just being a good shepherd, a good father and knowing that's where we need him the most. And that's where he reveals himself the most because that's where we need him the most. It's, it's kind of hard to uh, do something for somebody if they don't need it, you know, or even want it. So I, I, yeah, I think that's, that's something really beautiful. The last thing I want to mention on that too, the the last bit of that verse four, I fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they come for me. Two things there. One, that there is no fear in this love. It's perfect. It's, it, it casts it out. A lot of Christians or um, other denominations of, of people who are aware of the end times, but they're scared. But that's that's not that's not Catholicism. That's not Christianity. Um, in the Nicene Creed, we actually profess every single Sunday that I look forward to the resurrection. I look forward to the coming of my Lord. You know, like this is something that we look forward to. Why? Because God is good, and I fear no evil. Uh, secondly, to point out that your rod and your staff comfort me. Um, I don't know if you've ever been hit by a stick, but it hurts. Uh, <laughs> I mean, think about it. Like, what, I can imagine it. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, no, I was not abused as a child, but like, I, I've, you know, in playing around as as a youth, I, I've been hit by a stick. Anyway, uh, sorry, I just realized what that might imply. <laughs> um, I'm not implying that, but rather, what I'm trying to get at is David is saying what some might consider to be painful, I consider to be good. Uh, if you think about it this way, like God is what on on the lookout for us. And when we wander to the edge of a cliff or when we wander to get like stuck in a thorn bush or something to redirects us in a gentle way, he hooks us in a gentle way 
You know, it, this isn't this isn't aggression. This isn't mean. This isn't cruel. This is redirection. So the Lord is really good at this. And I, I, I don't know about you, but my experience is like when when I've hit the darkest places with sin, especially the Lord is really good at redirecting me so that I am able to choose better things later on. The next verse, just to walk us into that. You set a table before me in front of my enemies. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. And some sometimes, uh, depending on the situation, whether like there's like friction in the house, um, but whatever the situation, sometimes it feels like that can even happen in our own families, where my enemies might be my family, or my enemies might be my coworkers, or my enemies might be whatever. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but it's it's not the most fun thing in the world. But what I think is being said here is prophetic to what Jesus is saying that. You are no longer just called to love your brother, but your neighbor as well. Not just your neighbor, but also your enemy. Because even even the people who do not follow me, who do not know my love, can do that too. And I want you to stand out. I want you to be like me. I want you to be perfect like your heavenly father is perfect. And this is perfection, this love. I think that uh, that that last section that that is a part of, also points to God's providence, not just his uh, guidance, but his providence mm-hmm. to, because uh, the next verse is actually, it says, uh, you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Um, obviously like anointing someone's head with oil, like hearkens to the um, act of making someone a priest or a king. Yep. Like that's what happened to David. He became the, the priest and king. It just makes me, this, this Psalm is actually a really good Psalm to have your, have be your favorite psalm uh, because it includes elements of allowing or uh, asking God to guide you and also uh, recognizing that he provides for you. That's mm-hmm. that's also a, a big part of um, discernment too is actually having trust in God that he won't leave you desolate. Mm-hmm. And that's for me, at least that that was that's the hardest hump to get over. The hardest uh, thing to get past is that is the fear that I'll be left with less than what I have right now. Yeah, but knowing God, He doesn't uh, leave people wanting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and I want to tease that a little bit more too with uh, the next bit. Uh, you anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. So like this, this double thing going on of like, yeah, there's a double, there's a double grace going on here. That's happening. It's when God is pouring Himself out upon us. We can't contain God. So, of course, our cup is going to overflow, our cup being our soul, you know. Um, The anointing that's being fulfilled here, what's being said here is that, like, the Christian anointing, the baptism of the Spirit, the baptism of water and Spirit that happens, that's a game changer, right? Um, It fulfills the the fact that I have no fear for you are with me, Mm -hmm. right? It fulfills that statement, like, we know it's true because he's anointed us. We know it's true because he works with us for for the goodness of of our enemies, even for our goodness, our providence, and just following that up. Indeed, goodness and mercy will pursue me. Mm-hmm. You know, so even when we we mess up doing this, even when we mess up acting in unison with the Holy Spirit, so that we are being the saints, we are being the the ones. In acting in unison, little Jesuses, if you will, acting as as the little gods, and we'll eventually get to that psalm later. The little gods that um, 
We are called to be, you know, in unison with God himself. And I think that we uh, talked about a little bit last time, like a little less than a God you've made man. Oh, we've already like, covered it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, true. Yeah. So I think the last bit, all the days of my life, all the days, right? It's not just like there's a moment, but he's, he, God is always pursuing us, always mm-hmm. loving us, always directing us, always leading us mm-hmm. to the places where there is life always leading us to the place where there's nutrients. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that last little bit, I will dwell in the house of the Lord for endless days. That's pointing to the reality that we live under an open heaven, that like this death that is essentially, quote unquote, it's an illusion. Um, not, I mean, like, yes, there is a, a, a rupture between body and soul that takes place, but it like that is only temporary, mm-hmm. right? This endless days thing is a real thing. This is why we look forward to the coming of Christ because he is fulfilling his promises. He's fulfilling the fact that we are going to be able to live with him. All barriers gone, all veils completely ripped in two with him in perfect glory. And we get to taste that today. You know, that's just, I think that's just beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are there any last thoughts on that? No, I think you wrapped it up pretty well with that. Um, I got nothing. You got nothing. I got nothing. Well, I got you as a friend, so that's that makes me happy. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, that's 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 right. That's right. Anyway, um, so for your challenge today, uh, my challenge for you is to is to memorize Psalm twenty three. There was actually a time that I lived uh, with this, like constantly replaying in my head, um, and it got me through. Actually, is when I was a, uh, a missionary. When I was when I was a missionary for two years, I I made it one of my missions to memorize this, and it's relatively short and it's doable. And the lovely thing about it is that there's sections that you can have on repeat in your mind for whatever you're going through. You know, um, if you're going through a day of hope and joy and just goodness, you know, you can you can really replay those those verses and thank God in that if you're really needing to be reminded of God's providence and the fact that he provides you for you even when times seem tough there's verses for that too so that's my challenge for you is to memorize Psalm 23 and we hope that you have a wonderful week and we hope to see you again next week God bless bye